Thank you. Thank you, dear sister. I think the theme has been, I want to know you, right? And the Spirit of God has been leading us to that, um, <clears throat> that I surrender, that I surrender, that God would uh, <clears throat> reveal to us more of His Son. Let me just uh, pray, and then we'll start. Father, we, this is our prayer indeed for today, Lord, that you would speak to us, show us more of your son. <clears throat> we know, Lord, that um, there's nothing greater, nothing better. There's nothing more attractive in this world than the majesty and the glory of your son. So we pray, Lord, that this time that we spend at your feet, we you will reveal to us, Lord, more about the riches of mercy and the riches of grace as we saw this morning, the wonder of your Son. Let our hearts be captivated, Lord. Let our hearts be held, not distracted, and that you will reveal to us, Lord, more of your Son. We thank you that, that you will answer this prayer because it's in your will. And we offer it in, in the name of your Son, our Savior, and for your glory. Amen. Amen. I want to take you to a war zone, a battlefront. Uh, you're a soldier. I want you to think of yourself as in full army gear. You're there, you can hear the sound of the battle right there. You can, you can hear it. You can hear the drones. You can hear the chopper. You can hear the occasional gunshot. And you're ready to engage. And right at that moment, you recognize that one thing that you need most is so that you're able to communicate with the command center. You need information, you need instruction, you need to know the location, the strategy, whatever it is that you have to act on, without which you can't do anything. In fact, uh, military strategists will tell you that there are two kinds of information that you need, two kinds of communication that we all need. One is that as a soldier, we need to be connected with the command center for equipping, for information, for instruction. We cannot function without information. We need that. And then the second type of information that you need is so that you're connected with, the, with your family. As a soldier, you need to be encouraged. You need this morale, uh, and you need this communication from the family. You may have seen the, uh, you know, we said, um, can you read me over? That was the title that we have for this, this morning. And that you would have seen in movies. I'm not sure how many of you have gone to war, but I, I think the best information that we get is from the movies that we've watched. And uh, we have this radio connection. And the fact that they ask, can you read me over, you're trying to prove two things. You're asking two things. One is, am I in contact? Can, can you hear me? And secondly, you also want to know, am I clear? Can I be understood? 
I, I want to know the communication that's coming from the other end that I can hear. Can you read me over? And just because I have this radio, just because this is part of the, uh, the standard issue, doesn't mean that I know how to operate it. Right? It doesn't mean that it's charged or powered, that I can even use it. But more importantly, the question I want to ask is, will you use this when you need it most? When you need it most, will we contact the command center? The second piece of information, so that's for equipping, right? We, as a soldier, we need to be equipped. But as a soldier... We need our morale up. And so they say that this, these letters that would come from family and from friends is so important to keep the motivation up. In World War II, when America, the U.S., got into the battle, there was so much of this mail coming in that it became the attraction of the U-boats, the German U-boats. And so... Uh, Eastman Kodak and um, the U.S. Army, they worked together and came up with, with what's called the V-mail. Now, I don't know, if, when I heard that V-mail, I thought, okay, it's not, it's not VG-mail or whatever, it's Victory-mail. Okay, I want you to know that. It's Victory-mail. It's Victory-mail. What it was is that there would be this little card that would be microfilmed, and it will be these microfilms that would be sent out. And this is, of course, in World War II before you know, the satellite phones and encryption and all of that. And as a result, they were able to reduce the amount of weight and it was much easier to uh, send back and forth. So what am I setting you up for? Like, why am I giving you this information? Now, I want us to know that we as Christians, we are soldiers. We are on the battlefront. We are in a spiritual war. And that these two pieces of information, the one that we need to be encouraged and the one that we need to be equipped, it happens through prayer. And so what Paul is doing for us is, you know, we've been looking at, we've been reviewing the uh, prayers of Paul. <clears throat> and today is actually the last on the series. And today he actually takes us to the battlefront. And that is where we read, we, when we read from Ephesians chapter 6, we are on the battlefront. He is saying, I want us to see how prayer works when you're on the battlefront. Because in the battlefront, if you don't have communication, I want you to know that you are dead meat. You can't survive. Uh, Paul, who, who tells us all of this, he himself is, uh, is a person who prays. And um, I, I, I just, um, uh, it was Napoleon, I think it was, uh, who said that communication is the most important part of a battlefield. Uh, it's one of his maxims. I, I, um, the understanding of this communication is so important, okay? So that's why Paul borrows from that uh, imagery. In uh, World War I, <coughs> in World War I, the, uh, um, you know, the, the British Empire, the, the Britain and the British Empire, they actually won World War I, but they lost one million people. 
And so the, the generals, the military strategists, took a lot of flack. And there's a phrase, I'm not sure if you know about that. It's called, lions led by the donkeys. Lions led by the donkeys. But it's very unfair because what had happened is that one million people had died. And these strategists, these military strategists, for the first time, a war was being fought across thousands of miles in thousands of places. And information needed to reach them. They didn't have the radio at that time. And so if you look at every battle again and again, you will see that communication, information is vital. And so when Paul brings us to the battlefront, I want us to be honed on to this important piece of information. That we will not survive the battle if we are not able to communicate. And so Paul himself is a person who communicates, a person who prays. Uh, the first time <clears throat> you hear about Paul after his Damascus experience is when um, Ananias has a vision. He says, go to the street called Straight, and there you'll find a man called Saul, you find a man called Saul, for he prays, or for he prayeth for us in KJV, all right? He prays. He was a man who prayed. And that seems to be his identifier. You know, we saw, as we've been looking at these things, every time we see Paul writing an episode or whatever, he's actually uh, praying. And Paul's identifier is the fact that he Praise. And what I like about that verse is it's Acts 9.11 or 9.11. It can either be your 9.11 or your 9.11. And the fact that Paul, who recognizes the importance, is the one who is telling us about prayer as a command from God himself. So what I want to do is, is draw your attention to the passage that we read. The question I want to ask first is, like, what is this battle that we are fighting? Right? So if someone will read with me, read for us, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it'll tell us what is that verse, what is that war that we are in. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Somebody can read that loud. Thank you, brother. So how do we remember this? Five things, okay? This is how I got it. Scrap. We have a scrap with scrap. S, spiritual powers, uh, forces of evil. C, cosmic powers. A, authorities are rulers. P, present darkness. I want you to understand that these are the five enemies that you and I are fighting as Christians, as soldiers. And where is it being fought? In the heavenly places. It's interesting when you read Ephesians that this word heavenly places keeps coming up again and again. It's, it's about the church in the heavenly places, all right? So in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Where? Where? In heavenly places, in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, that we are seated with Christ. Where? In heavenly places. 
Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 that that the church will be the manifold dis, the display of the manifold wisdom of God where in heavenly places or right, then he gets to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 he says we battle with forces of evil in heavenly places but we don't fear why? Because our position is secure in Jesus Christ, but we are placed as soldiers in Jesus Christ too. Our position is secure in Jesus Christ. I want us to know this, all right, that we are secure in our place in Jesus Christ in heavenly places, but we are to be soldiers. There is a battle to be fought as a soldier of Jesus Christ, and we read that in Ephesians. Secure in position, yet soldiers for Christ. So what's the standard issue as you go down, as we look at uh, what we've been given as a Christian soldier? Now, I like this because, you know, this particular military gear that we have needed no upgrades, no redundancies. There is no armor of God 3.0. This is great. I mean, we've got it, all right? I want us to know. So, so what is that for protection? We read that from chapter 6, verse 11 to 17. We spe- it speaks to us about the pieces of the armor. Then you get to verse 16. If somebody can read verse 16 for me. Thank you. Shield of faith in all circumstances. Shield of faith in all circumstances. Now, I'm a little visual guy, so I'm thinking of Captain America here, who was not seen without a shield. Right? Shield of faith in all circumstances. And he begins to say that, good, you've got this armor, but I also want you to think about this shield of faith in all circumstances. Now, then he goes on to verse 17, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the weapon that we have. It's the Word of God. The Word of God is the sword that we have. And then in verse 18 is the passage where we're about to begin. Verse 18, which says, To pray at all times with all prayer and supplication for all saints. Our communication kit. All right, to pray. And so what we want to do is to zone in from here on to see what Paul is trying to tell us. Martin Luther had this to say. He said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. We have to pray. And I guess we all know this. I mean, there's nobody here who knows, oh, I didn't know I had to pray. Right? But somehow our belief is not driving our behavior. There's something that's, you know, we've disconnected our belief from our behavior because we think if we have a belief, that's all right. And then we start to pray, Lord, give me, give me this possibility to do this. I want to do it. Lord, give me strength. And God is saying, He's, I've already given it to you. Now move on. And that is what I want us to look at as we, as we start to look uh, uh, at this passage that we have for us, okay? So <clears throat> the fact that we have to be battle-ready, I, uh, this is a piece of information, again, I think it's quite interesting. As I was reading, I just, I just like, to, uh, like to read up on this battle thing. So in World War II, there was this time when people were getting letters from the U.S. president. In U.S., that is. I mean, not, not here. But, uh, and they would get this letter saying, greetings from the president of the United States. 
And you'd look at the letter and say, wow, listen, the U.S. president has written me a letter. But then that was not just a letter. It was a draft to the army, to World War II and to the Vietnam War. You see, that was a summon. It was a command. It, was, it could not be treated lightly. It could not be said that this is just a letter. This is a suggestion. Or oh, he's saying greetings to me, and so I can do what I want. No, it's a letter from the U.S. president, and you could ignore it only at grave consequence. Well, we have a letter from the captain of our host so that we would not uh, ignore it. We would not let our guard down. And so the, our commanding officer, the Lord Jesus Christ, is asking us, can you read me over? Do you hear me clear? Am I making contact with you? Do I make sense? And so as Paul is trying to uh, give us this whole passage, I like to look at it uh, as two parts. One is, Paul is saying, suit up and speak up. Suit up and speak up. Suit up is the armor, verses 11 to 17. Then you have speak up, which is verses 18 to 20. Okay, so suit up and speak up. And today we're going to look at what part? The speak up. Okay, we are looking at the second part, the speak up. And, and it's interesting. I want you to, uh, also want you to recognize this book of Ephesians is written to who? Ephesians. All right. Now, that's a church. That's a local church. It's written to the local church. And I want you to know that this is addressed to the local church, to the local platoon, if you would, on the ground. It's a letter for us as we can apply it. It's a letter to the church, and I want us to understand. Let me read to you a quote from Donna, Donna Reinhardt. It says, in the flow of Paul's argument in Ephesians, we should understand spiritual warfare as influencing life within the church, not just as a personal matter. What that really means is this, that there is no one-man army in the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no one-man army. It's to the lo local platoon. There's something about this prayer. There's something about this platoon. There's something about this testimony, this local testimony that we have that together we encourage, together we are equipped, together we act. And, and so I uh, want us to uh, you know, establish that as a truth. Okay, so verse 18, it says, Praying at all times in the Spirit. Where else does it say to pray without ceasing? Where else is that? First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Right now, um, uh, you know, how do you pray without ceasing? How do you pray without stopping? It's, it, this really helps us understand because it says to pray in the spirit at all times. Now, I want you to understand, this is not about speaking in tongues. Or it's not about some private language. When he says, you know, I'm praying in the Spirit, some people use uh, Romans 8, 26 to say that the Spirit groans within me with words that cannot be expressed. But then you must understand, that's the Spirit who is praying. That's not you who is praying, okay? So the, I, want, I want us to get that. And I, again, I really think about it, and I says that probably is the first reference to encryption from the battlefield. All right, that's mine. All right? With words that cannot be put into, with words that cannot, 
groans with words that cannot be put into words, however it says it. But uh, that's, the, that's, that's not what it means here. What it means here is to be in the spirit, that the will of God be done, that, we'd be, that prayer would be a lifestyle. It would not be a ritual. What that means is, you see, usually we get into our spin cycle in our own heads, right? Something happens. And we start to think, why did he do? Why did she do that? Why is she, is she upset with me? I'm so upset. You know, we just keep doing the stumble in our own head. And prayer is essentially to say, to take it up to the Lord, have this conversation with the Lord. Lord, I, I can't seem to understand why this happened to me. I, I, you know, why this bitterness? I'm angry. I'm not able to forgive. Have this conversation in the spirit. And that as you have this thing constantly, that you in, the, in, in spirit as you pray, the discernment, the ability, the communication, the, the, the contact, and he leads you to his word. He reveals to you his, you know, speaks to you from his word. That's the truth of um, moving away from being self-directed to being God-directed. Praying at all times. A lifestyle of, of, of saying that the first thing I would do is to take it to my God. Because usually we either circulate it in our heads or want to talk to someone else, which is okay, which is good, but not to forget to, um, to pray in the Spirit with the Lord. And verse 18 again, all prayer and supplication. All prayer and supplication. All prayer and supplication. What does that mean, all prayer? You see, we, we do pray. We pray in the morning. We pray in the evening. We pray before food. We, 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 there are supplications as prayer. We can go into all that. But I also want you to know there's something called a split-second prayer. Growing up, my, my mother or my dad, I don't know who I can remember, but they taught me that I should always end my prayer and saying, in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But oftentimes, in, 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 you know, in, in a difficult time, all I can get out is just say, oh, Lord. And God hears me not because I ended that prayer in his name, but because I made it in his name. And so it's not the length of prayer. It's not all of that. Uh, you know, Nehemiah is a great example. Let me, let me read to you <clears throat> the two types of prayers that Nehemiah had. He just got information about the walls of Jerusalem having been broken down. And so he takes time to fast and to pray. We read that in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4. Nehemiah 1 4, it says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. He prepared, he fasted, and he prayed about this matter. And then he presents himself before the king. And the king says, what's wrong with you? Are you not well? Speak up. And in chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, he says, and the king said to me, what are you requesting? Requesting. And he says, so I prayed to God of heaven, and I said to the king. I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, just there like that, even before he opened his mouth, he has this conversation with the God in heaven. This, this, aspect of prayer becoming the integral part of your life 
And that is what we want to get to. Because if you're on the battlefield, like we just go back to that imagery that we have, we need information, instruction for our survival. And so that's what we see even Nehemiah do. Then you get to verse 18. <coughs> the latter part, which says, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Keep alert with all perseverance. You know, when you, when you read this, I want us to understand that everything, everything that Paul has said till now from verse 10 onwards can only be done because of prayer. See, verse 10, we, because of prayer, we can be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It reminds us constantly. Verse 11, we have put on the whole armor of God. Verse 11, we stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, we wrestle against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Verse 13, we withstand in the evil day. In verse 13, we stand firm. Now, I want us to understand that without prayer, without the surrender, we will be defeated. And so as even as Sneha sang that song, I Surrender, I want to know you. I want us to grasp this thought. The, the prayer does to us more than just the receiving of the request that we have. And, and so the surrendering first to the captain of our souls in prayer is uh, paramount. And it says alertness and perseverance. Alertness and perseverance. If those are the characteristics of a, of a, a soldier, let that be evident in us. And I say this because, you know, we have prayed for things. We pray for some time and we don't persevere. We, we pray, but we, we kind of, you know, lost enthusiasm for that prayer. But if you're on the battlefront, brothers and sisters, if you are there, right there, you can't lose God. You can't get your God down. You have to be alert. And you have to persevere till the battle is done. And so prayer, therefore, requires that we be alert. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Then that verse, making supplication for all the saints. Praying beyond ourselves. Prayer is, uh, requires a team. Uh, prayer requires that you're a team player. I remember growing up when I had to pray. What would I pray for? Like most of us, I think we would do that, right? Pray for our school, pray for our studies, pray for our tests, pray for our father, mother, brother, sister, family, and we are done. And then you look at others who are like praying. Like I look at my mother or my father and some, you know, you have your experiences. They're like praying for so long. Like what are they praying? I'm done praying in like five minutes. Do they keep repeating the same thing or do they have such a long list? And then you begin to realize prayer is not about a list. It's about a labor. And I want you to understand this. The difference of prayer is that it's not about a list, not a grocery list that you list it out and, and give it to God. And he says, all right, God, I t- check this out and, and I want 300 pounds of this. Or not 300 pounds, but whatever, right? But the point of the matter is it's laboring in prayer. It's just that one thing God has gripped your heart. 
You'll say, Lord, I need your help. I, I, I can't seem to overcome this. I, I, I am, I'm always falling at this thing, and I don't want this. I, I want to be that soldier that you called me to be, onward Christian soldier. That I would pray and labor in prayer. I think uh, one of the reasons why we, we've been talking about this prayer again and again for so long is because I think we, we probably have not matured in our prayer. We started looking at the prayers of Paul. We sang, Paul, show us what, what is it that you pray so often. And we, we came back again and again, and we saw the richness. There's this maturity. There's this growth in his prayer. We, we pray that for ourselves as a church, that we would pray not just for ourselves, our physical needs, as much as the fact that we need this help in the spiritual realm. And that we would mature. We'd, we would have this Christ-likeness. That we will recognize that every time we are bitter with somebody else, that needs prayer to be labored upon. We don't have the strength to overcome that ourselves. If we have anger, I, I don't know, even those little things that we never talk about. We sometimes pray more for our physical ailments as much as this spiritual battle that we fight on a daily basis. We are on the battlefront. We're in the battlefront. Verse 19, it says, but also for me. But also for me. Verse 19. Edward M. Bounce says, great helpers are pray, prayers as the ones who pray. You want to help somebody? Pray. Look around. If God is leading you to someone and keep that person in prayer, says, Pray. Pray, because the spiritual battle that person is going through is far beyond what our eyes can see, and it needs so much of laboring in prayer. And, and so as Paul starts to say, pray also for me. And, and I want you to know that this is not the only time prayer. Paul has asked prayer for himself. We've been looking at all the prayers where he's been praying for the church, but at least seven times I counted where he's asked prayer for himself. And what he is saying is that he is not beyond the need for prayer. And that prayer is not the privilege or the prerogative of a few. You might have your mothers or your aunts or whoever are prayer warriors. And the first time you think, you're thinking about them so that they can pray. But this is a prerogative, a privilege of the weakest saint that we can pray. You are the ones who are on the battlefront. And you're the ones who have to labor in prayer. And together we labor. And together we, we encourage the victory is not to the best of the best or to those head and shoulders above the rest. It's not, even, not, sorry, it's not even to the wisest among all these, but only to the weakest on his, knee, on his or her knees. Let me read that again. The victory is not to the best of the best or to those head and shoulders above the rest. It's not even to the wisest among all these, but only to the weakest on his or her knees. 
Paul is saying exactly this. Paul is saying, pray for me. We, we would have the right to say, Paul, really, I thought you, you, your prayers are so mature. God just, you got this hotline with God. Like, you really asking us to pray? And Paul brings us a peg down. And he says, listen, no, 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 no. Don't, don't contract prayer out. Don't uh, offshore it. That you, as a soldier, would pray. The greater the Christian, the more he realizes his dependence upon the prayer of others, says Martin Lloyd-Jones. A good soldier must communicate. Must communicate. You know, the world wants to ask, the world is asking us, do you hear me? Can you read me? There's a cry out there in the world. We're looking at how through prayer and through all of that, soldier needs to communicate and that we will, that we will not be silent. Um, our prayer in, is the same as Psalm 67, 2, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all the nations. Your way may be known on all the earth, your saving power among all the nations, because as soldiers, we're marching uh, to claim these nations for Christ. We were um, at a program last week, and uh, Gracia Burnham, who was uh, uh, a missionary to the Philippines, a held hostage, was talking about this. She was saying, you know, the other parts of the world, she was actually referring this, and says, it seems like God is running a special on Muslims because of the number of people who are turning to Christ. And I asked myself, the harvest is plenty, what about us? What, you know, as we look around, why is it that we, we're not able to reap that harvest? Are we the laborers who, as we pray, because of the harvest is plenty, the laborers are few, are we the ones who are the laborers who have to labor and pray, who have to labor that we would open our mouths so that the world would know that there is a God in heaven who loves them? Pray, pray. Because he goes on to say in verse 19 that in opening my mouth boldly, not just for words, but that I might have boldness to speak. Oftentimes you're tongue-tied. Not just words, but we, 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 we don't know, like we don't have the boldness to speak. And Paul, this is Paul. I understand that Paul is actually praying this because he's about to stand in front of Nero and he wants that boldness. But this is Paul who shook the Roman Empire. He's saying, I need words and I need boldness. If Paul can pray that, I want us to know that we're not any special if we don't have words or we don't have boldness. The truth is we need to labor in prayer that we can have that boldness and those words because, you know, the, uh, the silence of our cowardice is deafening. You know, when you think about the church, when you think, when, when the first reference to the church praying is this. Let me read that to you from Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. 
is the first recorded prayer of the church. Acts chapter 4, verse 29 to 30. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. With all boldness. You know, there are 3,000 million living who still haven't heard of Christ. And 30 million people who go to Christless eternity every year. That's the population of Canada. 30 million people. Because they didn't know Christ. And so we pray for gospel fluency. Gospel fluency. I want us to understand this, right? Like, literally, um, this is something that you can do. Like, if somebody were to ask you, what is the gospel? Are you able to say that? Do you have words to say what the gospel is? Or are we going to have a, you know, one of the things that we, we, we would teach is to have this elevator pitch. That if you find somebody in the elevator with you and somebody, hey, what do you do? I'm able to say in those 30 seconds what I do. If I'm looking for a job, in that 30 seconds, I'd be able to say that this is what I can do, and that's the kind of job that I'm doing. What's your elevator pitch with the gospel? What's your gospel fluency? Or that we would pray and act and say, Lord, give me those words that I can speak. People who cross my path that I'd be able to influence. And then to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, we read in verse 19, the, the gospel, the mystery of the gospel. The, the gospel is not a mystery because it's mysterious or it's mystical, but because it's divine. It's, it's something that this world can't have. It's something that's been revealed to us. It was kept a mystery before Christ, but after Christ came, it was revealed to us. And Ephesians actually speaks about it. He says, you know, how, you know, you and I, Greeks and Gentiles, we were all made into one body in Christ Jesus. That's, uh, that's just the, the, the wonder of the gospel that we would be found in Christ. But the fact is that this, uh, this mystery does not have to remain a mystery, right? Do our neighbors even know? Or is it a, still a mystery for them? Here, let me ask you one thing. When was the last time somebody shared the gospel with you? No, no, hear me right, hear me right. Not when you share the gospel, not, not when you share the gospel, but when somebody shared the gospel with you. Last week? Last month? Six months? We would have recognized if somebody shared the gospel with us. We would have got it. Now, if we are a sampling, I want you to understand, if this is the state, the thousands, the 30 million they haven't heard. So you might say, all right, no, God's not calling me to go wherever. But he, he is said right here, laboring in prayer. If, if you begin there, if you say, Lord, I need your help. I know your word is true. I understand that whatever you said is, is something I want to obey, but I don't have the strength. I'm not able to do that, but you labor. You say, Lord, Lord uh, I'm not going to let you go till you, till, you, till you help me with this. This laboring. Can you read me? Over. 
Are you listening? I, I think about words, boldness that we can speak. And, and as he goes on in verse 20, he says, For which I'm an ambassador in chains, an ambassador in chains. And I, I think it's just a paradox, isn't it? Because when you're an ambassador, you have diplomatic immunity. And yet the one who's called by the most sovereign is the one who is in bonds. He is seated in heavenly places, but yet he is in earthly confinement. And he says, I'm in bonds, but that's not shutting me off. Give me boldness. Give me words. Oh, Lord, would you pray with me, Paul is saying. That's Paul's story. When Gracia spoke about her husband because she was holier and uh, held in hostage by Abu Sayyaf. And then in the rescue, the husband is shot dead. So they have a memorial. And he had already said, because he was a pilot, he, and, and they showed us some clips about how difficult the terrain was as he would land this pilot in uh, the plane. And, um, and what a great pilot he was. And he had said that when I die in my tombstone, would he write, it was not pilot error. Anyways, what they did do is this. This is what Gracia was saying. On the tombstone, you have the date of birth. Then you have a dash. Then you have the date that he died. And on that dash is the cross. So you have the date of birth, you have a cross on, on the dash, and then you have the, the day he died. Because he, she was trying to say, we, we wanted to say that something happened between those two dates, something, the cross that transformed him, that he would go to Philippines to share the gospel. And then she turns to the crowd and says, what, what about you? You will have a tombstone if the Lord doesn't come. You will. I will. We will have the two dates, the date that we were born and the date that we died, and there'll be a dash in the center. And the question is, what will you fill that dash with? What will you fill that dash with? What are we availing this life to be? Prayer is not the realm of the great and faithful, you know, those big names, the ones that we read, and all of those, Paul is saying it's something that you've been given. You've been given. Do we use it? Do we labor? Have you reduced it to just words and list? It's just perfunctory. Because that's what we've been doing all this while. And then he ends with verse 20. He says that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak, as I ought to speak. We've been whimpered out. We've been chickened out. We've been silenced out only because we have not been prayed out. We haven't prayed and therefore we have all of those presumably defeats that's staring in our face. And, and a gospel for us has become an apology. The power of Christ that transforms is for us. This is like, uh, uh, can, 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 you know, like I don't have words to tell you why I believe what I believe or, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I get threatened. 
because we have not been gripped then. Soldier, I um, want to give you, I know the time is up, so just give me two more minutes as I read to you some of the things that we can do. If we recognize that prayer is important, let's, let's understand this prayer is a potent weapon. It's been given to us. It's a means of equipping, a means of encouragement. And if our belief must drive our behavior, and I want to write it out here, but I just want you to imagine this, all right? You have belief plus behavior equals, all right, you got that, right? Belief plus behavior equals believer. Belief, behavior becomes believer. If we are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we are so gripped by the truth of this, of this majesty, uh, the, the, the majesty of the gospel, then there cannot be a bifurcation between belief and behavior. It's one. We ought to be that believer who says, Lord, I will labor. I want to see your glory, your majesty in our place, in this starting here, in our community. Life's been transformed. And so, let me give you three quick things, and I can close. Begin to con- converse with the Lord. Forget the spin cycle. Every time you get into that, you know, trying to figure it out yourself, forget that. Start conversing with the Lord. Identify somebody who you can pray for every day. And if the Lord leads you, send that person a text or whatever, just saying, you know, I'm thinking about you, brother. I'm thinking about your sister. I'm praying for you. I might just be that encouragement that person needs. Right? And then you pray for us as a church that this is a local platoon on the ground, as it, as it were, we were talking about. That we would be the ones who would mature, we, we would mature, we would be reflections of Christ, that we would go charged out and into this world, into this community, transforming lives because of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That God would use us to make the difference. I'm just tempted to read this last thing, so if you'll just allow me, because I think this is just something that is very powerful. As a soldier, we, we can... Um, uh, we, can, um, we can hold on to you. I'm the soldier in the army of God. It's by Danny Halbom. I'm a soldier in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Scripture is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I'm a volunteer in his army, and I'm enlisted for eternity. I will not give out, sell out, or be talked out or pushed out. I'm faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If my God needs me, I'm there. I'm a soldier. I'm not a baby. I don't need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, pepped up. I'm a soldier. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. I'm a soldier. I'm not a wimp. I'm in a place saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, or candy, or give me handouts. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I'm committed. 
I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus calls me into his army, I had nothing. And if I end up with nothing, I will still come out ahead. I will win. My God has and will continue to supply all my needs. I'm more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. The devil cannot defeat me. People cannot dissolution me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell, and hell cannot handle me. I'm a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me for my commanding Commander calls me from his battlefield. He will promote me to captain and then allow me to rule with him. I'm a soldier in the army and I'm marching, claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I'm a soldier marching heaven bound. Here I stand. Will you stand with me? Will you stand with me? As I just close in prayer. Father God, we, um, we thank you for enlisting us, Lord, for calling us, for showing us your Son revealing to us his majesties. We thank you that he has gripped our hearts. And so we pray, Lord, as a church, we pray, Father, that our hearts would would not lose that you, you you would your grip on us, Lord, would not lose its sway. That we would not take things for granted. We would not be accustomed. This this familiarity that we were reminded of, Lord, would not be true of us. That we would be gripped, knowing that, Lord, that this is the best thing that can ever happen. And as soldiers that you've called us to, Lord, as we were reminded today, that we would be ones who labor. As soldiers, that we would be alert, we would persevere. As soldiers, Lord, we would be in the battlefront recognizing that this is a spiritual battle, that we will fight, we will, we will labor. Lord, we will petition your throne for people around us, Lord, especially in this church, in this community that you placed us. Father, we pray that we will see your work, your, your, your majesty, the fact that we will see you high and lifted up in our presence, Lord so that the world would know that there is a throne in heaven and one seated on that throne. And we thank you, Lord, that you would give us this privilege to serve in this army. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us so much. And all God's people said, Amen.